This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Yes, welcome back, and it's time for Movie of the Week. Now, last week, it was the Art House classic, Freddy Got Fingered. Uh, today, one of the greatest cult films, in my opinion, of cinema history, Pulp Fiction. This watch was on your daddy's wrist when he was shot down on Hanoi. It was captured, put in a Vietnamese prison camp. The way your dad looked at it, this watch was your birthright, so he hid it. In one place, he knew he could hide something, his ass. Five long years, he wore this watch. Up his ass. Then he died of dysentery. Give me the watch. I hid this uncomfortable hunk of metal up my ass two years. Then, after seven years, I was sent home to my family. And now, little man, I give the watch to you. <laughs> Christopher Walken, brilliant. Liam Alexander, what an introduction. <laughs> well, morning, guys. That's just one of the, the all-time great monologues, isn't it? Uh, it's fantastic. Liam, have I overshot that in the fact that is, is this one of the greatest cult films in the history of cinema? Oh, 100%. I feel like um, someone's first time watching Pulp Fiction, I think to this day, is still one of the most sort of exciting cinematic experiences you can have from from Tarantino's dialogue to the structure, the performances, everyone's giving like career best performances. The soundtrack is unbelievable. It's just um, mm. it's just one of the best out there, I reckon. Now, Liam, there'd be people here that haven't seen it unbelievably. Uh, for those that haven't, can you talk through the plot? <laughs> can we find a yeah, plot there? There's so much like going on. <laughs> You've had some serious problems if you haven't seen it, but um, it's a tough one to describe <laughs> the plot because of the structure of it. <laughs> but um, the movie, it sort of goes back and forth in time. It follows these interweaving stories with each story focusing around a different character. And um, the first one is sort of centred around Vincent Vega, who's this hitman played by Travolta, who has to take his boss's wife out to dinner. Then it sort of cuts to this story about Butch, played by Bruce Willis. He's a washed-up boxer who has to kill the opponent of a... He accidentally kills the opponent of this fight he was supposed to throw and then gets into some really um, disturbing trouble. <laughs> and then uh, the last story focuses on Jules, who's Vincent's partner, and he's sort of going through a little um, uh, existential crisis. And the beauty of the film is seeing how all the stories sort of interweave with each other and, and play into one another. Hey, mate, Beak here. Uh, do you reckon, you know, with how kind of like much Hollywood churns out almost like calculated movies where everything has to be structured and... Basically, you know, we have to do this to earn this amount of much, this much money. Do you think that they'd be able to have the freedom to be as, I guess, artsy as Pulp Fiction was these days? Oh, it's pretty hard, eh, Webby? I think a lot of movies, yeah, there seems to be like <laughs> a lot of the um, Hollywood films these days seem to be almost written by a committee. Like you don't really get the voice of one writer. And I think the fact that they were able to make it for such a low budget, it was only made for $8 million sort of allowed Tarantino to have that freedom. And because the script was so good and, and Bruce Willis, especially, who was a huge star at the time, wanted to be in it, that allowed them to sort of have that freedom to, to sort of do what they wanted. Incredible 8 million made $214 million in the cinema. But I would, I would, I would suggest that it, may, it has made probably double that, you know, as far, like, in, probably in the last 10 years. Because it's just, 
it just continues to be everywhere, even merchandise and whatnot, Ben. Yeah, it's one of those. It's just, it is the ultimate cult classic. And talk about making money, it's made Tarantino. Like, it gave him an open checkbook to mm. be Quentin for the rest of his career, yeah. doing whatever yeah. he wants to do. What about some of the things, Benny? In the, uh, the, the, the thing that I love, and if you listen to Tarantino and you, and you really get into him and you know what he's like, he pays, you know, homage or homage to um, to all these movies that influenced him. And, like, you look at, um, you know, the, the famous line in it, when, you know, when I shall lay my vengeance upon thee, that's lifted from a 1976 martial arts film. And then there's the other classic line from when uh, um, Bruce Willis is, um, you know, down in the basement. Uh, the got to get some guys with a set of pliers and a blowtorch. Yeah. That that line is lifted from another yeah. another shout out, film. Shout out to Z and the voice. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus, it's still a, it's still a very oh, uh, confronting awesome. scene. Yeah. <laughs> hey, uh, hey, mate, it's Webby here. Um... <laughs> 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 so um, you can have it, brother. You can have it. <laughs> um, no, a lot of the younger generation would have been introduced to this movie via the memes that it's created. A lot of it's a very memeable movie. Movie. Do you think, like, is that a good thing or a bad thing in regard to, like, for example, a lot of people think that TikTok has kind of ruined the music industry because you've got these fifteen-minute snippets that you know people are trying to create so they get their song out there. Do you think it's a good thing or a bad thing that people are introduced to, you know, art and culture via memes? Um, that's a tough one, eh? Because I think I don't know if it's if it's sort of using it in a way that isn't um, trashing the movie. But I think I think any sort of exposure is good exposure if you if it guides you towards watching it. I don't know if anyone who sees a meme of Pulp Fiction is going to be compelled to watch it, but. If it does, then I think that's a, that's a good thing. But I understand what you mean. I think, mm. yeah, there's definitely seeing 15 second clips of a movie sort of um, tarnishes it a little yeah. bit, I think. Uh, Webby, John Travolta, Saturday Night yep. Fever, Grease, Face Off, Love it. Primary, <laughs> primary Colors. But, Webby, in your opinion, is this his greatest performance? It's certainly his coolest performance, mm. including Saturday yeah. Night yeah. Fever. Um, yeah. Uh, I've, I've watched this movie so many times in the last 30 years. It's re- I could almost recite every word of it, but I watched it for the first time in a, quite a few months. This week, knowing we were going to do it, I still think of all the great scenes, of all the great dialogues, where he, his character, where Vincent Vega and Mia, Uma Thurman, are in the oh. car at Jack Rabbit's limbs talking to each other, and, you, you know, one's on cocaine... The other one's on heroin. <laughs> Can we, we get back to, to the movie? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and that's all I've got. No, yeah. but, but, but yeah. when you when you know that and you're watching them, how mm. they're conversing each other, knowing that they're in those altered states of mind <laughs> so and just how cool the dialogue is and how oh. they act it out. And then they do the dance. Which, awesome. which yeah. and oh, the way that iconic. the way that Travolta moves in that is just oh. And he wasn't even he, he, it wasn't even written for Travolta. It was written for who uh, Michael Madsen, who comes in another, yeah. who was in oh, Reservoir yeah. Dog stuff. Yeah, course, but Michael yeah. Madsen turned around and said, "Can't do it. I'm with uh, Costner in White Erp." Oh dear! Oh, oh wow. dear! What anyway, a missed opportunity. Yeah. I do also think it's Bruce Willis's best role. He oh, is so yeah. the the look on his face. I went back and watched it about three times. The look on his face. No, no, no. I'm talking about when he pulls up to go and get the watch. Oh yeah. Oh, you know when he pulls oh, yeah. up and he looks around to see if anyone's there. Oh. But that, but oh. that, that line when he goes, when he goes, that's how you're going to beat him, Butch. 
They just keep underestimating you. They, and then <laughs> there's I, Marcellus Wallace right in front of him. That is just the metaphor I, for life yeah, I, if there's ever one. I reckon Bruce Willis <laughs> wins the film. Yeah. I, I just think it's yeah. he's great. What did our man Roger Ebert think about it, uh, Liam? Oh, Roger, he, he loved it. Like He, he said Good he you, wants Rog. to rub the noses, the noses of brain-dead writers in it, which mm. was quite a weird quote. But yeah. I think he's just implying that it's so, like, indisputably great, I think, that uh, people who think they can go to a school and learn how to write just sort of need to watch this and see that there's no real formula to it. Which is really interesting because when Tarantino was shopping the script around, it was described as too demented <laughs> and the worst thing ever written. And only, and only one company, Miramax, uh, were the only yes. ones to go, yeah, we'll take it. Everyone else passed on it. Liam, was there, uh, I, I don't know mm. what the sequel would look like and how they would do it. Was there ever a discussion to make this a sequel? And I mean, apart from well, Kill Bill, a, has he done it? Well, there was a discussion. He actually wrote a script called The Vega Brothers, which he wanted, because in, in Reservoir Dogs, Michael Madsen's character is um, Vic Vega. So Vincent Vega is meant to be Vic Vega's brother. Oh, I and never knew that. Three, yeah. Wow. yeah, he had this spin-off film that he was going to make, but um, I think Travolta and uh, Madsen were getting yeah. a bit too old for the role, so he yeah. sort of he shelved it and, and never did it. Well, um, hence, I mean, they've become a band, the Vega Boys. Of course, <laughs> uh, what a band they are. Uh, okay, just quick. Now, after the break, we're going to talk about the greatest scenes in Tarantino movies and nominate one each. I think the best scene in this, I, I, once again, I love the walking scene, but the whole sequence when Willis' character Butch and Marcelo, Marcellus Wallace gets captured by our man Zed and the gimp, um, and re, and Butch returns to save him. Man, that is just... With the samurai sword. With the samurai sword. <laughs> yeah. It's just... God, it, it, it's something. And the other one's under... Tiff Roth, Honey Bunny. Honey you know, Bunny, that, that's yeah. a great scene too. That is just a, it's such a great scene. It is, yeah. The, where he goes, what are we going to be? We're going to be Fonzie. And what's Fonzie? Cool. He stays but, cool, baby. But, <laughs> sure, but just the dialogue that he comes up with, and my, my knockout line is where Mr. Wolf comes to clean, oh, they clean the car. Yeah, and he's like, and, he goes, and Vincent gets the, the shits because he's hurrying up. He goes, pretty please. We'll sure go on top. Clean the effing car. <laughs> <laughs> it's one of the so great lines of, of all time. Right now, I think we know where this is going to go. Uh, Liam, score out of 100. Yeah, it has to be. It has to be 100. It's one of those perfect films. Yeah. Nutty common each. 100. 100. 100. 100. 100%. 100%. We'll take a break after the break. Greatest scenes in Tarantino movies.